glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. We certainly honor the Spirit of Christ and we thank God for this day. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, our Father and our God, we thank you for this day. Thank you so much for last night's rest. And we're grateful that you allowed us to open our eyes again in the land of the living. We're grateful that you are indeed our prophet, priest, and king. We thank you for this opportunity to once again worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we pray that as your word goes forth, that it will fall on fertile soil, that someone who does not know you in a free pardon of their sin might be saved. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price on Calvary's cross that we might experience a right to the tree of life, that we might experience everlasting life. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the sacrifice of your son. We're thankful that after the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. We pray for that person here today who does not know you in the free pardon of their sin. We pray today might be the day of decision where they surrender their lives unto you. We ask all of this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ and our soon-to-come reigning King. We do pray and give thanks. Amen. 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 Uh, give the praise team a hand of praise. Indulge me for a moment. Amen. Amen. They, 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 they ushered us into the presence of the Lord, and we thank God for them and how he worked through them. I want you to look at with me John chapter 5, and uh, I would like to read in your hearing verses 17 through eight, 16 through 18 in John's gospel chapter 5. When you have found it, say amen. If not, hold up and wait up. And this is what it says in John's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has, give, has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that he was, that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So ends the reading of God's word. I'd like to put a tag on this text. Um, I and my father, I and my father, 
By way of context, uh, in this fifth chapter of John's Gospel, we learn about a man who had an infirmity, who was crippled, who was sick for 38 long years. He was at the pool of Bethesda, and the Bible tells us that there were many who would go by, the sick, the lame, the diseased, and they would hang near the pool of Bethesda. And the Bible says that uh, the water would be troubled, and many who were suffering from some kind of sickness, disease, or infirmity would go there, and uh, the idea was that they would receive healing. This man had been sick for 38 years. He just happened to be there, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And uh, Jesus wanted to know, do you really want to get well? And uh, then Jesus tells the man uh, to pick up your bed and walk. The man does what Jesus instructed him to do. Jesus' actions were good. The Bible tells us in Acts that Jesus went about doing good, and clearly this was Jesus doing a good work. But there were some who were upset with what Jesus had done. The religious leaders, instead of celebrating in the man's recovery, they said, who told you to pick up your bed and walk? Well, Jesus had somehow mixed in the crowd, and Jesus was not able to be identified by this man. Jesus later sees the man in the temple, and Jesus gives him some instructions. Basically, get your right, your life in order, or something worse could possibly happen to you. The man goes and tells the Jewish leaders what Jesus, Jesus was the one who had <laughs> made him well and told him to pick up his bed and walk. Jesus now has an encounter with these religious leaders. Uh, and I tell you, if you get a chance doing your devotional, read verses 19 through 47. And Jesus gives the most amazing defense as to why he did what he did. It's almost as if Jesus said, wait a minute. You need to understand something. You don't know about the relationship that I have with my father. So we need to slow down, and I need to slow walk you through this relationship that I have with Papa, because clearly you don't know who you're messing with and who I am. He, he has this relation, he has this conversation with them. And Jesus wants them to understand clearly from his own lips who he is, and he wants them to understand the relationship that he has with God the Father. That's really what John chapter 5 is dealing with, the whole relationship between God the Father and God the Son, and that they are equal. That's really what he was trying to get them to understand and appreciate. So Jesus tells them in his own words who he is and why he healed this man on the Sabbath day. Now, you got to remember that the Sabbath day was the day of rest, not the day of any kind of labor. And, you know, folks had incorporated all these additional rules 
that folks had to follow. For example, a woman was uh, not to look at a mirror because if she saw a gray hair and plucked it out, that would be considered shearing. Uh, you weren't supposed to take a stick and drag it because that could be viewed as plowing. They had all of these rules, and, and Jesus was not dealing with these man-made rules. He had no affinity to honor them. They were man-made. They were not in keeping with the canon of Scripture. So Jesus decides to heal this man on the Sabbath day because it was the right thing to do. He could care less about the man-made rules that they had, but he was going to honor the Father through his actions. So Jesus decides to heal this man. And he explains to them why he did what he did. And I think we can get a few holy helpful hints out of this, and I'm going to be out of your way. The third, first thing I want you to see is that Jesus followed his father's example. Jesus is equal in works to the father. Um, let, let's look at it. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Jesus is saying, I could not help but heal this man because that's what my papa's been doing. Since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam fell, he no longer was adherent to the Sabbath because he now knew that a fallen and sinful man had to be redeemed. So he has been working since man's fall. That's why Jesus heals this man because the Father is always working. The Son mirrors what he sees his Father doing. The, the, the world is continuing to spend on its axis. That's the Father. The Father's continuing to supply us with grace and mercy. That's the Father. He's always working on your behalf and mine. Um, amen. That's good news, isn't it? That he is, even now, working on our behalf. we getting up, going to work, doing whatever we want to do, and he's constantly working. Never taking a break. The father and son are in simpatico. One is not moving one way and going the other way. He's always working. Um, let, let me see. Uh, do you remember there was a commercial, uh, I'm a commercial buff, I'm always amazed at how they can take uh, 30 seconds and, and a capsule and, and give you an amazing message. You can just, wow. Anyway, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes and uh, 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 Troy Palamalu were, were in a commercial. They, they were with head and shoulders. And uh, he was produced, he was uh, promoting this particular uh, shampoo, this dandruff shampoo. And he claimed that uh, this, this particular shampoo is always working on your behalf. <laughs> so so uh, Troy Palomalo would show up in, at random places uh, working. Uh, he, he's in the store and, and he says, Troy, is that you? Never not working. In a dentist's office, he has the drill, and he's about to do some drilling. Never not working. 
on the golf course giving instructions to someone, never not working. In the car wash, he takes the, the squeegee and he begins to, never not working. And I thought about that, and it occurred to me that we have a God the Father and God the Son who are never not working. They are always working on your behalf and my behalf, always trying to retrieve and save the unredeemed, those that are lost and on their way to hell and enjoying the trip. He is there to redeem a fallen and sinful mankind. That's what Jesus did. He had to do that. It was part of his nature. He could not help it. Always working. He wasn't concerned about any kind of Sabbath day. He's trying to get the lost saved. And maybe, beloved, we can take a cue from that. Yes, get your day of rest. Do what you're supposed to do. But when we have the opportunity to share with others about what Christ has done in our life and what he is doing and has yet to do, we too should be like him. I want to do what I can to be his mouthpiece. I want to do what I can to be his hands, his feet, and his mouth so that someone who was lost might be redeemed, may come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ, the Father was Christ's example, and Christ should be our example. Um, what I like is that you got to keep in mind now, when Jesus confronted these folks, these Jewish leaders, religious leaders, they were about ready to kill him. <laughs> and Jesus demonstrates amazing boldness and confidence. He was not afraid of what they might do to him because the message that he had was such that he could not keep it to himself. Think about that. They're ready to kill you, and you're going to begin to explain to them the gospel, and that's exactly what Jesus does. It says in verse 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Jesus was in the process of witnessing to these folks, and they want to kill him. But when you have Christ on the inside and you begin to realize that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against me, thou shalt condemn. He kept his wits about himself. It's a portrait of a courageous Christ. And beloved, that's what we need to see. That's what we'd ever keep before us that our Lord, our Savior was a courageous Savior. Not weak, not merely, but strong and defiant in the face of death. And maybe the world would take another look at us when they too begin to see how bold we are for the Master. I know it's, it ain't right, but it's tight with some of you. Yeah, it, it's important. It's critical that we too begin to mirror and model that kind of behavior. 
there's something else in this episode with this man that was rather interesting. Um, the, the, the religious leaders were busy trying to nitpick, trying to find fault with what Jesus had done. Let me tell you something. When you see the Lord moving in someone's life, do yourself a favor and move out of the way. Uh, your critical analysis and your critical thinking and what you would have done or should do really is not the issue. Part of it is being able to celebrate and rejoice with someone who the Lord is blessing. They did not nowhere in this conversation give any clue or hint of being excited and wanting to rejoice at this man's deliverance. They just wanted to find fault. Don't, don't, don't hang out with fault finders. I know you may love them, but if you can avoid them, go the other way. Because they can mess with your spirit. And next thing you know, you join in the chorus and you join in them saying foolish things that maybe you ought not be saying simply because you're going along with, yeah, you got it. That group. Um, rejoice with those who experience the amazing power of God's grace like this cripple man did. But, but a few other things that we see here also. Jesus was loved by the Father. I notice what it says in verse 24, the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. The Father and Son's relationship is one of continuous, uninterrupted love and fellowship. Ah, theirs is a love that, and fellowship that was not broken from what we can see here in this text and what he's saying. The Father loves the Son. And one proof of that love is that the Father shows the Son all things. He doesn't keep any secrets. He doesn't withhold information. But he's willingly sharing with the Son. The Father and Son make time to communicate with one another, indicating that they are once again co-equal. Um, John 3.35 builds on that theme. It says, the Father loves the Son and gives him all things into his hands. Out of the love for the Son, God the Father has put everything, all natural and supernatural, or spiritual, in the hands of the Son. The Son submitted to the will of the Father. Papa, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Um, that was an amazing relationship that they had. No ego, no confusion, no dysfunction, no jealousy, but they viewed each other with mutual respect, and there was a oneness that they enjoyed. Maybe they model for us what healthy relationships can look like. You think? I mean, how much different would some of our home's relationships be if we had a level of mutual respect? That if we communicated with one another, if we weren't perhaps so dismissive, that if we were able to sit down and calmly 
love on each other without disregard, pettiness, that we allow the enemy to get between me and thee as we try to look more like him, but yet we, they give us an example. They model for us what it can look like to have a healthy relationship. But, but what I want you to also see is just as the father loved Jesus, the son, it doesn't stop there. The father is so great in his love that he loves you and me. I mean, I'm glad that he loves the son, but I'm also glad that he loves you and I. I mean, what if he just loved the son? How would that help you? But he just not loves the son. He also loves you. And I know that's true because scripture teaches us that God so loved. And I often wonder what so love looked like. And I guess we get a, a glimpse of it when we look at Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. But he says so loved. That's a special kind of love. He said God so loved the world that he gave. That's right, his only begotten son. We get a portrait of a Christ, a God that is able to love and to receive love and to re in return. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And what I like is that Jesus keeps on giving. God so loved the world that he gave. Okay, um. You, you act like you're not believing me this morning. Um, he, he's, he gave you breath. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's go there for a minute. You keep inhaling and exhaling. He's giving you, as the old folks used to say, a reasonable portion of good health and strength. He's giving you a sound mind. You've had some stuff run up against you in the last six months to a year where you could have perhaps lost your mind. Okay, see, I, I, these are all the same folk, right? Um, listen, you done caught some difficulty in your life that if it were not for the hand of God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you don't know where you would be. You might be a shepherd prat somewhere. But grace be to God that you are here, you are alive, clothed in your right mind. That is a gift from God that he is giving you. He keeps on giving. Every time I turn around, he keeps blessing me. He gives patience. Listen, you keep promising you're going to do better. And, and listen, you keep doing, Daddy, it's me again. I, come on, come on. I know, baby, come on. I know. I still love you, and I'm going to forgive you because I promised that I would. And I'm going to help you through this. He just keeps giving. I'm glad. He, he, he keeps honoring his precious promises. He keeps giving us another chance. He keeps revealing himself to us in his word. He keeps the door open so we can come in and have times of prayer. Oh. He just keeps giving. And, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. You just, you just keep seeing him work. 
And when the enemy tries to make you feel that, uh, that God has abandoned you, forsaken you, just tell him, I know what it looks like, but God loves me. Okay, um, Karl Barth, uh, the, the, the theologian, died back in 1968. Anyway, someone asked him after, the, after years of writing, he said, how would you summarize the gospel? You know, he earned PhD, brilliant man. Guess what he says? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Look, this man could have given you a 14-page dissertation on what it means. He broke it down to its essence that Jesus Christ loves me. And if there were no one else for him to die on that cross for, he would have went for me and you. Always remember that you are loved by him regardless of what's going on in your life. And his love is such that he's going to meet you at the point of your need. He will never abandon or forsake you. I don't care what kind of hell you catch him. Jesus said, here I am. I promised you that I would never leave you nor forsake you. I promised you that I will be with you to the end of the age. Something else here. We see the oneness of Christ and in uh, verse 23 it says, Jesus and the Father should be equally honored. Uh, it says in verse 23, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Notice, if you will, that this is a command. And then it says all, not some, not most, not many, but he says all should honor the son just as the father. In other words, if you reject the father, you reject the son. You can't have one without the other. And then some people say, well, you know, um, I worship God. But I don't know. Jesus was a good man. <sighs> Baby, be careful if you believe that, because right here it tells you you need to honor both, not just one. Am I misreading this? All should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. It's, he's saying, I and the Father are one. That word honor, uh, to respect, to regard, to esteem, uh, and he's making it so clear. In fact, one thing that, that caught my attention is that in verse 23, you see the word honor four times. Now, you know, you learn that when scripture keeps repeating a word, it's, it's, it's for emphasis, trying to say above everything else, that it's important. 
He said, don't miss this. Don't run by this too fast. Honor the father and the son. Now, how do we honor God the Father and God the Son? I mean, how do we, how do we pull this off? I mean, is it within reach? Is it something we can do? Uh, something that we are able? Well, we honor him. And as we honor him, as we honor God, we are actually worshiping God. As we honor him, as we show, as we, as, we, as we recognize who he is and what he's doing in our lives, as we honor him with our lips, the fruit of our lips, we're actually worshiping him. Uh, as we honor him, and we can honor him, we get to choose how we're going to honor him. You may honor him by way of coming to church. You may honor him by way of witnessing. You may honor him in your giving. You may honor him in serving. You may honor him when you take him at his word. There are many ways in which we can honor him. And really, that's what he's asking us to do. Make time in your busy world to honor me. Honor God the Father and honor God the Son. Don't be like those in Romans chapter 1. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him and they did not give him thanks. That's amazing. They knew God. They didn't glorify God. Nor did they give him thanks. But you and I have the opportunity that we can choose how we're going to honor the Lord. You can do it in your home, at work, in your community. There are different ways in which we can honor him. And what he's saying is, beloved, this four times that, that word honor, which means that's important. He wants us to honor him. God the Father and God the Son want to be honored. And the beauty of it is that it's, with each, it's with, within each one of our reach that we can do this. Um, one way we honor him is when we choose to be counterculture walkers. When we don't walk in the ways of the world, and when we aim to line our lives up with what the Word of God says, we are in the process of honoring him. When we are salt and light, we're in the process of honoring him. When we have a thankful heart, we honor him. There's a song we used to sing years ago. Um, when upon life's billows, you've been tempest-tossed. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has 
done. And as we count our blessings, we are honoring him. It is worship, it is thanksgiving for what he has done, doing, and will do in the life of the believer. God the Father and God the Son are one. And he deserves our equal, they deserve our equal honor, praise, worship. Can't have one without the other. And they're both worthy of our praise. And Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege and for the opportunity that we can worship God the Father and God the Son. We thank you for the sacrifice that your son Jesus made on our behalf over 2,000 years ago that we might enjoy the gift of eternal life. And Father, I pray for that person here today who does not know you in the free pardon of their sin, that person who has not confessed you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that this might be the moment that they surrender their lives unto you. Holy Spirit, I know that you move in situations like this. You convict in situations like this. So I pray that even right now that you would move mightily and that you would rescue that person who was lost and don't know you and the pardon of their sin. We ask this now in Jesus' name. We do pray and give thanks. Amen. And if you're here today um, and you cannot remember a time in your life when you knowingly and willingly confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it means that you're lost. It means that you don't have a relationship with him. It means that you are controlling the steering wheel of your life. And you've yet to come realize that you're a pretty lousy driver and that you really don't know where you're going. But you have an opportunity to confess him and say, Lord, I'm sick of running, evading you. I'm tired of trying to figure this thing out myself, and I can't. I need you. I confess I'm a sinner, and I'm grateful that your son Jesus Christ died for my sins and that I can come to you just as I am. He's available to you today. You don't have to speak in tongues. You don't have to run around the church. You don't have to know all 66 book of the Bible. You just have to come say, Lord, I'm here, and I want you today. I'm tired of running. I'm, trying to, I'm tired of trying to figure this out. I'm looking at what's happening in this world, and I, I just feel like I'm out here in the rudderless ship, and I'm tired, and I want you as Lord and Savior. If that's you, you this is the right place and the right time. You can, you can come to know Jesus. Now, I know it's a little tough because some folks say, well, you know, that's embarrassing. I don't want to go up there, and, you know, I may be the only one up there. Okay, I got it. I got it. But there's some uh, elders here and some deacons that would love to walk with you through God's plan of salvation. Isn't that wonderful? They'll walk you through God's plan of salvation and what it means to be saved, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. They that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all. That's all you gotta do. We, we try to make this thing so complicated. It really isn't. It really isn't. 
So if you're saved, you know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sin, then just clap your hands. If not, I'll be standing right here. Amen. May we all stand. May we all stand for a moment. I'm sorry, I just get you out of here in a minute. Um, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the all-wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore, and the people of God said amen. 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 God bless you.